Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, July 12th, 2020. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 10th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,957. That's 14957. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 14,958. That's 14958. This morning, A Vision for You presents, We Let God Discipline Us. The 12 steps, as outlined in the Big Book, represent a process resulting in a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. We submit to a simple process that is not easy. We do lots of work, lots of work. This demonstrates our willingness to have our willfulness set aside. But it is grace that does the setting aside the change, the conversion, the transformation. We have been taken out of the world of self. We have entered the world of the spirit. We allow the spirit to lead us. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. Indeed, we let God discipline us. Joining us today to share her experience, strength, and hope is Katie G., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Katie is committed to our daily trudging of these 12 steps, committed to carrying the message of hope and possibility. And it's with great pleasure and appreciation that I welcome Katie G. to the line this morning. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, and my heart is beating. I love you guys. I love all of you, and I I just thank you for this opportunity, and as one of my friends prayed with me this morning, God, when I go with you to do this, um, please come with me. I pray today that I can be a ticker tape parade for God and what God can do for me um, if I stay disciplined. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Katie G. Uh, Vision for You is one of my OA home groups. I love this meeting. Uh, I came into OA 16 years ago. Uh, I did the steps out of the book 11 years ago. And um, I do have anorexia, bulimia, and compulsive overeating. Um, I have been recovered um, for four and a half years. And all I know is that um, being recovered and and saying that is a privilege and it's a grace. It's an unmerited gift that God gives me every day if I continue to stay disciplined. Um, And I don't mean self-discipline, but for me, you know, when I think of the things that I've, that God has carried me through over the last couple of years, and when I think of the conversations that I've had with you who've walked before me and who walk with me, Um, I started off, I hated discipline, you know, like I just wanted freedom. I wanted freedom in the wrong places, like 
freedom with the food and um, I wanted to manage and control everything. And, and what you all have taught me a day at a time is there's like this flow that happens before I was recovered. Like, you know, I did have, I did have to have like um, self-discipline. Like I had to, um, as one of our fellows said, I had to have some grit and some gut to really be like, okay, uh, there needs to be a shift here. Um, and then, you know, today, um, God is not my sponsor. I, I could never do that. I'm too sick, and I'll talk about that. Um, but God works through other people. And I, the, um, as one of my favorite AA speakers says, may he rest in peace. Discipline is the horse I ride, man. And if I don't, and, and there's like a beautiful flow to my day and my evening because of what we do. So just a couple things I wanted to make sure I said. Um, you know, the, the, the desperation from my discipline daily. Um, a lot of people I hear, and me included, um, I, they don't think there's much sexiness or grit to step one. And, and, and help me, just stay with me for a minute. Like, I, I hear a lot of like, oh, I relapsed because I had a step 10 issue or a step two issue or a step four issue. You know, what my teachers have taught me recently and that I find to be true is that if I have an issue with any of the steps that's beyond step one, it's because I think I have power, choice, and control again, and I think I can manage my life. And I want to share with you what managing my life brings me to because it's, it, it's nothing. Like, it brings me to help me, tell me what to do, sponsor, help me right now. Um, so just to get back in the context of me, so I, I have been in the rooms for a long time, I did the steps, and in other um, special editions, I have shared about relapses. I'm not going to get into that. There are lots of good teachers about that. Um, I really want to talk about what the book says about discipline, about step one, because step one propels me. A new experience and, and, and desperation around step one propels me today when I'm feeling disturbed. I have to do a step 10. I have to. I don't have the luxury because if I do, if I do not, it will build up and then eating will be a step up from how I'm thinking. It just will. Um, so that's really important to me. The other thing I heard recently um, you know, the, the disease is inside of me, and it's always getting worse, never better. That's what my book teaches me. It's not in the parking lot doing push-ups. Follow me on this. If it's in the parking lot doing push-ups, don't go into the parking lot. Lock the door. Okay, and if that makes you laugh, <laughs> made me laugh, it's because I could never close the door on my disease. So, you know, the, the book does not fill the first 164 pages with the word discipline, right? Let's talk about what it means. So to be disciplined means to obey rules or orders. And there are no requirements for membership in Overeaters Anonymous, right? But, but many of us know, like on page 29, we have to, there are many musts. I think there are like over 130, I don't know if the historians know, but over 100, right? That we must follow a simple program of action that is clear-cut directions. Um, to, to, to get recovered, right? And then we have to continue. Continue is the name of, of the game. So that tells me I need to, I need to be disciplined. Um, I, I, but the book also tells me I can't do it with self-discipline, right? Uh, it tells me 
um, in on page 568, he finally realized he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. And that's why I prayed, God, let me be a ticker tape parade for God, because there's a lot I do to stay disciplined. Um, but today as a recovered woman, it, it comes uh, from within. Um, I do, I am held accountable by a sponsor and by a spiritual board of directors, right, that, that help me stay disciplined. But, um, you know, it's not because I'm, I'm afraid that someone's going to punish me or, you know, whatever. It's not self-discipline. Um, it's God. Um, and then, you know, on, and more about alcohol, alcoholism, we learn that, you know, we can fall victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic or compulsive overeater that my long period of sobriety and self-discipline, right, my controlling qualifies me to eat like other men, drink like other men, right? And so, um, you know, I really need to, and then 84 to 88, we have this shift, right? So once we've been through the first 164 pages, so we get to page 84, and we're hitting step 10. And a lot of people say, I'm living in step 10, 11, and 12. Are you? Like, those, those are big, meaty steps. And um, I continue to learn about what they are and what it means. And again, my, my, my powerlessness um, that I need to continue to do these. But those are big steps. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, the unsexy steps. Step one, um, a couple years ago, um, after I had been recovered um, uh, from a relapse with exercise bulimia. Um, I spent about mm, 10 or 12 weeks in step one. Now I know, I know, take a deep breath. That's like sacrilege. But I have to tell you, it really helped me to understand the darkness and the brevity of step one. I really thought Step one was like, yeah, 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 I'm powerless and my life is unmanageable. But it doesn't say those are related and there's no and, right? So a dash, so it says we admitted we were powerless over food, dash. Okay, so for I did look this up in the dictionary because I'm a nerd. A dash is a mark of separation stronger than a comma, less formal than a colon, and more relaxed than the parentheses. So what does this mean? So when I first came into the rooms, I was like, yeah, I'm powerless. Like, therefore, my life is unmanageable, and, and my life is unmanageable because I'm 228 pounds, or I'm 120, I'm 120 pounds, I'm, I'm exercising bulimically, I, I can't, like, I thought unmanageability was with the food, and, I'll, and, and we can get, I can get really caught up in numbers, and, and that's unmanageable, right? But then I'm abstinent, and that stuff starts to clean up, so my life should be manageable now, Right? No. Mm -mm. So like unmanageability, um, one of the, the most profound exercises I have done is um, to make a list of all the things, and this was suggested by Joe, I forget the reference, but I'll get it, um, in California, to make a list of all the crazy things I've ever done with food. Crazy, and I know if you're sitting here Sunday morning at 8.41, you've done some crazy things with food, me too. But then to look back and say, what is the craziest thing that I've ever done with food? Well, the craziest thing that I ever did was in a state of entire abstinence, going back to the food, putting that food into my mouth, 
right? So there's, that is insane. That's more insane than the laxatives, than the Ipecac, than the hospitalizations. That is insanity. That is unmanageability, right? Um, and I, I want to say too, I have no power, no choice, and no control around the food, right? And so a lot of times I hear, well, this is my drug of choice. Really? Really? Like your choose, like when you put that food into your body, it gives you choices. It doesn't give me choices. 228 pounds, that's a lot of food to be eating. You know, when I, I have that obsession of the mind that we've explored in the past couple of weeks on our Sunday special editions, right? And, and that's an entire abstinence. And then all of a sudden, this idea, okay, it's going to be different, and here's how. And I put those foods, ingredients, and behaviors into my body, and it sets up this phenomenon of craving. So why am I talking about this with, related, with relation to discipline? Because I have to get a clear idea of what abstinence is. You know, somebody shared with me that they um, thought that the message that um, the Vision for You meeting presents is that we do all 12 steps, and then we get abstinent. And if that's your belief, awesome. That's not, that's not what my book teaches me. My doctor tells me the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence, entire abstinence. And that has to start with the beginning. But I have no power, no choice, and no control, right? So, so what do I do? When I, when I started, I was given a food plan. I know we're not supposed to do that, but I was given a food plan. But I didn't understand the allergy. And I spent about 12 years um, adding like non-food food items to my to my food, <laughs> like salt and um, stevia and caffeine and um, behaviors around those things that that I, I just um, was really abnormal with. Like at one point, I was drinking so much water, right, that I couldn't see. Um, I would see stars because I was so afraid of what was going to happen when I was entirely abstinent. Um, and I finally, thank God, because of, of these specific rooms, and Vision for You, remember, is just a healthy OA meeting, a woman in whom the problem has been solved when I was abstinent taught me I need to go and I need to look at, for me, the foods, ingredients, and behaviors that I've tried to control, right? And then I make those lists and I paste them into my big book because it is not your responsibility to know if I'm abstinent or not, right? I need to know if I'm abstinent. I need to be clear about that. And, and that does need to be addressed every day through spiritual discipline. You know, I, I do need to wake up in the morning and plan and, and prepare, um, just like a diabetic. Like I prepare my food. I have grocery lists. Like, like that does require a spiritual surrender every day around the food. Um, and, and that works for me. And then, you know, in addition to that, unmanageability. And I have to tell you, um, Again, I was confused about unmanageability. I've talked a little bit about that. It's really just me running the show, right? So, like, if I'm completely not running the show, then I don't find myself stuck on 60 to 63, like, forever trying to arrange the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. When I'm back there managing and controlling my life, I'm on a spree. I may not be on a food spree, but I'm on a self spree. And I think, oh, the food is down, but I can manage it. And that will lead me eventually into a state of, 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 I have to, like, of believing the delusional thinking, not denial, but the delusional thinking, the false psychotic belief that food is going to fix it, bulimia is going to fix it, and here's how. Right? And so that's, that's where I get to. Um, I talked a little bit about that exercise of the most insane thing I ever did. That is from Joe H. from Santa Monica, California. Um, he is, um, 
that he taught me that in, in the big book. That was the most truly insane thing I've ever done. Um, so thank God for this Vision for You meeting. We are a healthy big book meeting, and, has, and, and I continue to go deeper. What I wanted to do is talk a little bit about 10 um, and 11. You know, I want to I want to preface this by saying that the meat and the potatoes, no pun intended, about with two through nine are fantastic. I, I can't do them justice today. I'm not going to try, um, but they are the essence of how what we do in 10 and 11. And I also want to say, um, part of my discipline is actually making room to to be helping others because I need to be a ticker tape parade for God. And, and, and that, you know, as Leah so beautifully said, there's, she did, I'm not going to paraphrase her at all because I won't do it justice, but like there's a shift, right? It's no longer about getting my needs met. Um, so when I'm driven, when I see all of the insanity of not just the allergy of the body, because I could understand that, but the, the um, obsession of the mind and the unmanageability and I cannot play God, I'm driven, that desperation, I'm driven and propelled into the other steps. And, for me, I do go through the steps every year um, because, and, and I start with step one, I don't start with step four because my experience is when I start with step four, or excuse me, when I start with step one, I'm back in the darkness of step one. Like I have no power, no choice, and no control, and I'm trying to manage again. And I really can't. And, um, you know, some, you know, examples of trying to manage my life um, were, you know, um, when I met my husband, I, I, I was, I got really into fear sprees, um, trying to get him to marry me, right? And, um, and I thought I could do it by controlling my body. And if you know me, you know, like, I, what I did was I started um, exercising bulimically. And what I know now is that my behaviors were insane trying to manage and control this man and they came out sideways like i was not kind to other people i i might have been sharing as a recovered woman but i was not grounded in step one i was managing and controlling and ultimately um it brought me back to the food um so i must quit playing god and you know i did have two big relapses and you know what i see is that i i easily slip away like it's easy to be like yeah i have no power no choice no control around the food Uh uh-huh what's next Right, because it's you know sex, step one is not sexy enough, but <laughs> it is the launching pad. You know, if you if you listen to some of our um, our fellows that have walked before us, um, the passion and and um, and um, commitment that they have, and the understanding that they have around step one is so crystal clear. I um, mean, it's so clear um, that it launches me into my desperation. Like if I really can't control and I'm really powerlessness. I'm really powerless, then it's a privilege to do step four. It's a privilege to make amends. It's all a privilege. So um, as I said, I'm going to talk about two issues I faced, have faced recently that I just thought um, might help a little bit. So I've been out of relapse by an unmerited gift from God for four and a half years, and that's it. So, you know, whatever your sponsor says goes. I, I know that's not a lot of 24 hours, but um, I have. And, and I have to understand what it like or in facing um, the life, because life happens all over me um, and us, right? Like how, what's going to carry me through? I want to tell you that the, the, for me, so much of discipline starts and ends with people. And I know this is a little controversial, so, so let's talk about it in the question and answer period. But I can't do this without a fellowship. I can't have, for me, I cannot, um, I can't have God be my sponsor. That would never work. And I want to I use some literature to talk about that with you all. Um, 
So first of all, in step five, it says we find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Um, in step 10, you know, the first step of step 10 when I, ha when I have a disturbance, right, is at one, I ask God to remove it, okay? Two, I discuss it with someone immediately. Three, I make amends quickly. Four, throw myself harder into helping others. So I'm involving people all the time. And one of my spiritual teachers, um, she brought me to the AA 12 and 12, page 60, step five. And, and she, she gave me this quote that I just knocked me off my socks. It says, whatever that means, I'm sorry, I don't know what knocking off my socks means. All right, it says, going it alone in spiritual matters is dangerous. How many times have we heard well-intentioned people claim the guidance of God when it was all too plain that we, they were sorely mistaken? Lacking both practice and humility, they had deluded themselves and were able to justify the most errant nonsense on the ground that this is what God had told them. It is worth noting that people of very high spiritual development always insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors the guidance they feel they have received from God. Surely then, a novice ought to lay himself open to the chance of making foolish, perhaps tragic blunders. The comment or advice of others may be by no means infallible. It is likely to be far more specific than any direct guidance we may receive while so in, um, while still so inexperienced in establishing contact with a power greater than ourselves, right? So for me, that means like, like, look, I don't have very high spiritual development. If you're looking for someone who does, I just don't. Um, and I go to God with people, like God with skin on in all matters. So I do have a sponsor. I do surrender every day around my food. I do surrender um, with my thinking because, um, because I need it. Because um, I... I can, um, we talk about it, we'll talk about it and talking about 10 and 11, you know, I may be, think I'm guided by God and I may actually be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, so that's exactly why I have um, this fellowship. I have a sponsor, I have sponsees, and I have a board of directors and, and women that I walk with every day um, to, to not be alone because I can't. So I wanted to talk about two issues that have come up and thank you God uh, I did not eat around them but it's just life lifing all over myself and then and talk about them in the context of discipline and, and 10 and 11 so um, as, as you may or may not know um, I don't make babies naturally um, I um, uh, stopped being able to do that when I was 18 and I I saw a lot of doctors for a very long time um, but one of the side effects of this disease is ugly and I don't do that and um, by the grace of God, I did. I have had uh, one daughter, um, and it was it was a rough ride, um, but uh, not as rough as what I was about to face a couple years ago. My husband and I decided to have another baby, and um, and it was really hard. And I I got I got sick, um, but thank God for my spiritual disciplines. Um, I had gotten married in program. Um, and after having a baby, decided to try and have another. Um, and for about a year, over a year, I lost um, four babies. Um, and it was really hard. And I, I'm not saying this to tell you, like, to be off color or tell you my life is hard. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you because a lot of times, um, and one of, my, one of my buddies is always telling me this, like, you think, I thought that when I got recovered, um, that I'd done my time in life, right? Like, it was already hard. I'm in program now. I got God. It's going to be ponies and rainbows. 
um, and it's not. Um, and what I found myself doing is really, you know, back in step three, trying to arrange the lights, the scenery, and the ballet. And, and I believed if I could be a really good person, I could convince the doctors and nurses to get me pregnant. Like I thought, um, I thought it was a moral issue. And also the other scary thing that happened for me is I isolated myself from all of you and you're my people, right? Like I, before I came into program, I, I had nothing, I had no people and you are my people. And um, I, I, I developed such shame and such selfishness around what was going on with me that I, I didn't know how to, um, how to call and say, I'm in pain and I'm scared and I don't know how to do this, right? Because it, 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 it takes a lot of um, humility and I'm KDG and I don't want to tell you I'm hurting. Like, I don't want to be vulnerable. Like, what if you take advantage of me? Um, and, and so I became like my identity, I became an IVF patient, not an, not a child of God. Um, I, and, and what I can tell you is, um, I just continued with, um, my inventory that we'll go through. Um, I continued to look at where I was angry with doctors and nurses and I was angry at, at God and I was angry at my body. Um, and I was angry at, at all of you on any day, whatever. And, you know, one of the most profound experiences I had was um, I did not think I was actually physically capable of going to our Vision for You conference. But I also was very um, emotionally incapable <laughs> of going because I was so caught up in fear. I was so caught up in fear of rejection that you all would judge me. And, um, I, because of inventory, I was able to, I'll never forget where I was, um, and I contacted one of my best um, spiritual board of director members, and I said, I got to come. Do you think I can? And I did. And um, the melting of my ego that happened, right, when I just showed up. I just showed up. And I could see that it wasn't you all rejecting me. It was, it was me rejecting myself and really personalizing what was going on inside of me. And I remember, you know, hugging my friends and uh, all of you and remembering like um, my program, my life with God comes first. And whatever happens in my life is going to work out. My husband has that understanding in his life. I don't know how. He's so weird. I'm like, aren't you depressed? <laughs> It's like, no, it's going to work out. I'm like, rock on. I need to go to my meeting. Um, and, I, and, and it wasn't just me getting nourished by my spiritual sisters. It was also reaching out to others. Like, I remember being in the airport and talking to a gal, and I don't think she's in the rooms anymore, but talking to her, and she was newly abstinent, and she was having a hard time showing up, and she was scared. And I was like, but, but we love you. Like, just take a seat. Like, we're not judging you. And if we are, we're going to do step 10 on you. Like, it's all good. Um, and so, again, um, if, you know, the day that I had to go in for a medical procedure um, to have a, a baby removed, I, uh, I didn't know how to get out of bed. And that's not me. If you lived with me, you'd know, like, my body wakes me up on my knees, upon awakening, go. And I couldn't. And I called my sponsor. Because that's what I do. I'm like Pavlov's dog. 
you know, whatever time it was, like 5.59 and 55 seconds, I call to call her at 6 a.m. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what to do today. Uh, I committed my food to her. Uh, I talked to her about potential issues that might come up with food and how, I, how that could be handled. Um, and and I and she just said we do the drill right like and upon awakening let us think about the 24 hours ahead God please go with me before we begin we ask God um, to direct my thinking especially that it be divorced from self-pity God I know I'm not the only one suffering today I know I'm not please please help me thank these doctors and nurses who are showing up for me today you know that's one thing I learned about um, when you're on the front lines of intensive medical treatment, like doctors and nurses, like God literally works through them. It's amazing, right? And when I was, you know, angry because my husband wasn't getting us into the car, you know, fast enough, um, I had to pause, ask God to remove it. Like um, send a text to someone and say, it's not my husband's fault. Um, Make amends because I can be short with him. And then throw myself harder into helping others, right? Like um, there's somebody on the lines, I hope she's listening, uh, that the day I gave birth to my child, I was in labor, labor <laughs> and I was talking to her, right? Like, and I'm not saying it because I'm a good person. I'm just saying it because this is the thing I do. And people call me and they say, well, how's your program? I don't know what that means, right? Like it's just who I be is I do this work every day. And again, it's not because I'm a good person. It's because I have been offered by, by generous women who've walked before me that, that, you know, no matter what happens, it's not, um, food isn't going to fix it. Uh, I do have to stay disciplined and I can't manage my life. So I'm not in the outcomes business. So God, like, I, um, and, and after I got back from the vision for you conference and I was so filled up with love, like all I can say is like, I mean, I, I just have chills. All I can say is that, like, I just, uh, I was able to accept love, and I was able to give love. And I came back, and um, I was able to say to God, okay, God, I have this heart's desire to be a mama again, and I know that you're God, so so show me. And And there was a shift in my prayer and meditation, and there was a shift in my inventory, and um, in fact, I had one beloved sister say to me, you know, um, that she really, you know, she said to a doctor, like, if there's no hope, help me give, like, just tell me to give up. And I had that conversation with my doctor, and, um, and I felt God in, in that moment um, with me. And I had all this because, again, I was entirely abstinent. I know you don't want to hear that, but like I can't have clarity to live in these advanced hearing God steps if I'm using food or ingredients or behaviors in any way, right? And there's this beautiful discipline that I ride to get me through the day. I also want to talk a little bit about the pandemic. We all are going through it, and I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, it's been unprecedented, hasn't it? So I want to say to you that I did not cause the pandemic. However, I had some pretty crazy thinking. So if y'all know me and you know my septens, you know that there are certain people who have um, lots of, lots of uh, they add lots of flavor to my inventory. And those people include uh, my husband, who I love. And thank God he's taking care of our daughter this morning while I get to show up for this. Um, and uh, his mother, God love her, and his sister, God love her. Um, and I remember saying to someone, I just think that if I could be locked up in a house with my husband and my daughter 
and not have to see his family and not have to deal with him wanting to go socialize and be a, a human being separate from me, right? Because God forbid, I'd be totally happy, right? And um, again, like if you heard from my IVF story, like I believe that external management, right? If I could just manage all of you and get you to just back off, then I would be okay. And I did a step 10 with a friend a couple of months ago and she said, yeah, you think external is going to fix the internal, right? Because what are we all suffering from? Lack of power. That is my dilemma, right? I have to access power. And I think that the power is going to come from being a mom, from being a wife, from arranging you and you and you to do this and this and this, right? And so I have these crazy ideas. And I have to tell you, again, I want you to know that I was saying these cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs things on the line sharing uh, my, my every three days when I, when I am able to do service, I was saying these things as a recovered woman. And I, and I just say that because, um, you know, I'm never going to have perfect thinking. Like the best part is I know it's hard. Um, and I, and I keep showing up and surrendering. Um, so I had a lot of, I had a lot of challenges of my own as you did. Um, I wanted my husband to help me. He went from being out of the house from 6.45 a.m. to 6.45 p.m. to being in the house and starting work and working 16 hours and his job was being more challenged. And I just wanted someone to come in and do it for me. I was like, yeah, God, like I, I made this baby and I begged you, but like I can't do this on my own. There's a huge pandemic and I, I, I can't, I can't do it. Um, and, and what is so brilliant is that um, I have all of you. I have all of you to remind me, well, what is my day-to-day -day life? Like, I guess that was such a big thing for me. I don't guess. When I was eating and um, as a newly abstinent woman and a newly recovered woman, how do I live my life? What does that look like? And there were some adjustments that had to be made. Like, first of all, we all know that grocery stores were uh, were and are, we don't know what we're doing. I'm in a high-risk medical situation, so I can't go to the grocery. And, you know, it required some work around step one powerlessness, and that's not going to change. The food's not going to change. The pandemic is here. And, and what can I do to stay abstinent and, and recovered um, today? So it did, it does require some planning each and every day around the food. And then you know, the unmanageability, thinking that, okay, well, so the, the problem is now gone, right? The quote-unquote problem is now gone um, of my in-laws and all the other people, but now I still have a problem because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm selfish and I'm self-centered and I want my husband to come help me and I, this is too hard and this is too much. But because of my powerlessness and because of surrendering to God, I continue to get through each day, one day at a time. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, de definitely step 10 and 11. And I also just want to say um, the other thing for me about step one and discipline that's so important is I have to keep having a new experience, whether I get it um, through, you know, um, going back to step one um, annually and also, you know, working with the women that I work with. Um, I need a new experience about my powerlessness I need, because I like the effect produced by God. And if I'm saying, well, you know, four and a half years ago when I had a break, um, I, I don't know. I, I, for me, I, I, I lack a humility. I, I, um, I need to remember this disease. 
um, is always getting worse, never better. You know, like oh, I'm aging, even though I'd love to tell you I'm not. It, it's, uh, it's getting worse, never better. Um, so I need a, a new experience to get and stay disciplined. Um, so let's start with step 10. So um, step 10 talks about, you know, I, I mentioned it before, we continue, continue, continue. Starting on page 84, we have entered the world of the spirit, right? Because we've had a spiritual awakening. We're not using food. Um, but it's not an overnight matter. And uh, we continue, continue, to continue, right? So the, the magic action steps that I do are I ask God at once to remove it. I discuss it with someone immediately, make amends quickly, throw myself harder into helping others. And I can get lazy about this. Um, so I can, you know, especially... Um, I can I can be like I can get resentful of you know my husband's talking too loud or he's just in that room over there can't he just help me with this I get I get caught in my fear in my selfishness and and I I need to ask God at once to remove it and um, for a long time I thought I thought that step ten was at night but it's not step ten is the walking around step so that by the time I get to an inventory in step eleven I don't want to take a gun to my head because I've cleared out and um, one of the things that um, that God brought to me yesterday I knew that love and tolerance of others was my code. But I didn't realize it was directly linked to this, like, step 10 right there. Okay. And and I have to say that every time I'm judging someone, every time I'm disturbed, I've forgotten that love and tolerance of others is my code, right? Like, so, and I don't mean tolerate as in, like, I'm smugly superior with you and therefore I'm going to tolerate you. I mean tolerance as, well, as in, like, meeting you where you are. Like, that's, you're a child of God and that's where you are. Um so um, we get then get the step 10 promises, which are amazing, right? That I'm placed in a position of neutrality. But, but then there's a warning. That is how I react so long as I keep in fit spiritual condition. Again, like powerlessness, unmanageability, I, I have to keep in fit spiritual condition, not because I want to be um, this great Pollyanna good person, but because I mean, that's great, but I'm just not that motivated. Like, I just don't want, I, I don't want to eat and I don't want to die, right? And so I have to keep in fit spiritual condition. And then 85 says, it's easy to let up on this spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels, right? My beliefs and that I'm headed for trouble if I do for food is a subtle foe. My ego is a subtle foe. I'm not cured. I have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition, Right. And so for me, um, what step 10 is reminding me to do is like I, I um, like with our teeth, we maintain our teeth, right? Like we brush, we floss. If I don't daily work on my teeth, I'm going to end up with some cavities. If I don't daily work on my thinking, right, then, then I'm going to end up back in the food. That's just what it is. Um, how can I best serve you, God? Like, God, if it's your will for me to have this baby in the way I think I should, then show me that. And if it's not, God, make it abundantly clear um, and help me to understand that, that you're my manager today um, and that, um, that life isn't about being a good enough girl so God gives me what I want. Like, I just thought if I worked a really pretty, pretty program that, that God would be like, boom, here you go. And, and if that's your belief, that's fine, but it, it, it's really not mine today. Like, I really believe that God is with me in whatever happens. And you know what? Life is going to life all over me. And we're not, I'm not getting out of here alive, 
right? So like, I don't know, um, that, those are some thoughts that I have about that. And how can I best serve you? Like, even on the days when I don't want to hear your mishigash, God, how can I best serve your kids? Like, show me. Um, and then I get to exercise my willpower. So I'm a very willful person. But when I align my will with God's will, and I don't always know what it is. I always know that God's will is for me not to eat. Like, that's really clear. I also know that God's will is for me to show up. Right, like I have committed meetings, I have committed phone calls, I have times that I know that I can, um, with my two and a half year old, be present for other people. I know that I could be present for service. Um, I can exercise my willpower with God, and I have to um, like start carving that out, that time out, um, and surrender. So it talks about this um, vital sixth sense that we start to get. You know, I had somebody say to me, um, Katie, uh, it's probably not God's will for you to have another baby. And um, uh, people are allowed to say what they want. Um, it was very painful to hear that. And, and what I came to was um, I don't have to play God in other people's lives and they don't have to play God in my life. This is about me trying to hear what God, where God is. And so I developed this really intuitive faith that the people that God had put in my life to take care of me during IVF were, were going to guide me. Like I just, mm, I knew, and I knew they're just people, but it was like this intuitive sense that what they were saying was accurate and I was going to trust it. And when I needed to stop trusting it, I would. Um, so I, did, I do have this vital sixth sense. But remember, again, another warning, if I have carefully followed directions, um, and then, so that's my step 10, so it's the walking around step. How do I stay connected to, to discipline during the day? Um, my favorite idea that uh, a, a recovered alcoholic brought to me is um, about step 11. In, in page 98 of the AA 12 and 12, there's a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief. But when they are logically related and interwoven, they create an unshakable foundation for life. I think that is incredible. And so for so long, I thought step 11 was just prayer and meditation. And it says, you know, yeah, better than men than we are using costly. Okay, fine. On 86. Yet, yet, he says, we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. And then all of a sudden, I'm on another inventory. So what does this look like for me today? What does this look like for me in the pandemic? What did this look like for me during IVF? First of all, this is a written inventory for me. If you don't do it as a written inventory, rock on. If that's working, awesome. Second of all, this is not a time to write 10 pages worth of inventory. If you sponsored me in the past, you know that I have used this in the past to write way too much, right? Um, the other thing that I've been taught, this isn't, these are not yes or no questions. What I mean by that is this. So one of my um, recovered heroes talks about um, this question of were we resentful. I have yet to find a day that I'm not resentful. And stay with me on this. I have been taught, I, you know, I know the resentments that I'm super angry, right? But what about the judgments? Like, did I really go through the day and not judge anyone? Did I really? And that a judgment is just a resentment. Like, I'm mad at you. 
I'm playing God, you're doing it wrong, and, and I'm resentful. And so if I've missed that during step 10, right, we have this self-examination, meditation, and prayer. We, I got to get rid of me first, right? I got to examine me. Was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, and afraid? Um, I don't add a lot to these questions. Um, I have done that in the past, and it's taken me way too long to get through this. This is not um, a huge uh, writing assignment. Um, and if I'm not willing to do this, then I think I have power, choice, and control again. And it is directly related to me eating because the main problem is in my mind. If I'm not willing to look at and be honest and show up, I'm resentful when I was in IVF. I'm resentful at women who have babies naturally. The cause, it's not, or, uh, it's not fair and I'm being gypped. Where am I selfish? I want other people to suffer the way I do. Self-seeking, I'm judging, character assassinating. The lie is that they, ha they get an easy ride, right? The truth is we all have pain. We all have pain. It cannot be quantified and it, and it hurts, right? And what is my fear? That life isn't fair. All right, well, what would be different if you trusted and relied on God, Katie? Right, and so I've got to be honest. A lot of times people will call me and they'll say, well, this is a really ugly resentment. And I don't, where in the book does it talk about judging our resentments, our thinking? My, my main problem is in my mind. I have done step 10s or written out step 11s at night on a two-year-old, on somebody um, who has Parkinson's disease. There's, there's no um, moral judgment here except to be honest and, 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 and have that ego reduction that I talked about before when you say, help me, I'm in pain, help me, right? Because this is blocking me from God. So I do my inventory, you know, and some of these questions are killer, right? Like, what could I have done better? Was I, how about was I kind and loving toward all? I mean, that's a big one. That's a doozy. If you can answer that question, yes, call me after. Because I, I usually have somebody that I, um, even if it was, and I put this in quotes, just in my mind, I, I don't, I, that's not a free ride. I don't get to just judge someone in my mind and, and think that that's, that's, that's right. Right, but then, then we're, we don't drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, right? Like I get into self-pity, like, oh, my God, I'm such a bad wife, I'm such a bad mom. I can't do this, right? And, and, and that's not what I'm here for either. Um, but I ask God's forgiveness and say, hey, God, all right, show me what I need to do to fix it. And then on awakening, and I, I've said this, but I said this earlier, I'm like Pavlov's dog, right? Upon awakening, let me think about the 24 hours ahead. And look, if you can't do this, if you can't sit with your book, that's fine. That's fine. God does not make too harsh terms with those who honestly seek him. I have an app that reads it for me. And if you think that's wrong, that's fine, but it's working for me today, right? So it reads it to me on awakening. Katie, think about your plans for the day. All right, God, you know, let me, like, honestly, okay, God, um, let's talk about, uh, let me write down my food, let, me, let, let it be clean and clear because I am a diabetic and, well, I'm not really a diabetic, you know what I mean? I, I, I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And for me, I have to have food clean and committed and I commit my exercise because I'm an exercise bulimic and it gets, out, gets me out of the way. That's all taken care of. I know when I'm going to eat um, and I'm not worried about it. Food is in a place of neutrality, but I have to eat. It's important. Um, so, but then I ask God, okay, God, let's think about our other plans. So I have times, as I said before, Vision for You is my home group. If you call in early to this meeting, you know one of my favorite things to do is to say good morning. Why? 
because phone meetings are easy to hide. It's, hot, it's easy to be anonymous in this anonymous fellowship, right? It's easy to be like, oh, I'm just listening to my phone meeting and eating and running around. Look, I know you're busy. Um, there are those among us who have 12 children and a million grandchildren. They're busy too, and yet they show up for it, so I can too, right? So I call in. I take a seat at A Vision for You. I listen, um, and I consider my plans. Okay, so what are the times as a mom that I can take calls? What are the times that I can talk to my sponsor and talk to my sponsee? Um, sponsees and, and, and talk, call newcomers and call those in relapse and do the um, service that God wants me to be. I, I need to do that. I need to think about that. And then I think about my, my, my life, like divorce me from self-pity, dishonest or self-seeking motives. So God, you know, my job today is to be a mom in a pandemic. So what does that mean, God? And how, how, how can I keep my mouth shut and let my husband do his job without feeling guilty when I'm asking, at, at, by me asking him to do my job, which is not always comfortable. But as I've heard before, this is not Get Comfortable Anonymous. This is Overeaters Anonymous, and life is in session. So what do I need to do today? And, um, you know, God, clear, clear my thinking. Um, I may face enduring the day. So then during the day, step 10 and 11 are this beautiful cycle, right? So like step 10, I'm disturbed. Okay, pause, call, make amends, fix it. Um, I will say that there are times that I have step 10s that I don't call. And that, that what I want to give an example of that. Like if I am rude to someone on the telephone, a customer service person, I don't need to hang up the phone to know I'm rude. I have the clarity and peace of mind now to know I'm rude and to immediately say, hey, I'm wrong. I, I, I regret how I just spoke with you. Um, thank you for helping me today. Um, okay, so let's go back to step 11. Pausing when agitated or doubtful. Um, and, I, and I get, oh, I, we might pay for this presumption, all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. There are, and this is exactly why I have all of you, right? Because I can think, oh, you know, I think it's a great idea for me to call a babysitter and, and, and get the help that I deserve right now during this pandemic because I need it and, and this is the way it's going to go. Before I present that pr proposal to my husband, I do talk to my board of directors and they do bring me back to my primary purpose, which is to stay abstinent and help others, right? And how am I helping others by, by spending money without my husband's permission, by bringing someone into the house who may be sick, right? So like, I don't always have the greatest ideas and that's where you all come in. So then I, I do meditate. And again, I want to say God does not make too harsh terms with those who honestly seek. So I know there are moms out there who are like, how are you meditating in the morning? I don't. I don't. I don't. And I'm still alive and I'm absolutely recovered to say that. So if I'm doing it wrong, y'all can tell me that. But I can't. It doesn't work for my family. It doesn't work for the way this program works for me. So at 6 p.m. is when I seek God quietly and I sit. Sometimes at noon if hubs, if hubs can get off. But, but you know, if I, he can't, then I find a different time. It is vital that I get quiet with God because, you know, we have, I have my self-examination, right? I get all this information about who I am without God. And then I need to listen. God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? How would you have me change? I need to listen. I also want to say prayer is super important to me. Um, I have the privilege to pray with some of my recovered fellows. I want to encourage you to do that. Um, prayer is, it talks about on page 87, um, I have never been more touched and blessed 
by women in recovery than to hear them hear them pray, to hear you pray, um, to hear you pray for your families and your life. Um, for all of us, um, it is it is breathtaking. And if you don't really feel like you know how to pray, um, just talk to God. God's like anybody else. We gotta we gotta make a relationship um, with God and allow Him to discipline us. But yeah, I do. Um, the other thing I ha- I pray about, um, I have my sex ideal prayers um, from the fourth step. Right, I earnestly pray for the right ideal as my husband's wife guidance in these questionable situations, sanity, and the strength to do the right thing. And I do pray in the morning. I pray for everybody, mostly everybody <laughs> that I know of that's um, in pain or not in pain. I pray for my family. I pray for those I resent. And they and a lot of people stay on my list for quite some time so that I know that I can be free. Um, and I talk to God during the day. And um, pausing when agitated, bottom of 87, um, you know, that's actually been a gift of the pandemic. I, I find that I'm not running around as much. And so I can really pause. Um, my daughter, thank God, still takes naps, um, even if it is for only 20 minutes. And I can be like, whoa, I can think about the morning and, and just slow down and get connected with the breath because God is as close as the breath, right? Um, so I'm pausing when agitated during the day, doing step 10s. Um, and then, you know, God, I will be done. Like, yeah, you know what, for me, my God didn't create the pandemic. If he did for you, that's fine. But, but I know that God is with me during this pandemic. And I, I, I don't think I can say I'm grateful for the pandemic or IVF. What I'm grateful for are the opportunities that I've had to learn and grow. Um, the opportunities that I've had to um, call and be messy and to be recovered and to not be perfect and to be recovered and to hurt and to have that ego reduction of like, I can't breathe. I don't know how to deal with this pain. Help me. Help me. Um, you know, we're all one among many in this fellowship and none of us are exempt. Um, there are no VIPs in here and we're all dealing with our own stuff. But with this, you know, discipline and structure, like, again, thy will be done, God. I'm not going to burn up my energy foolishly. And I'm naturally undisciplined. You know, and a lot of people will call me, and I'm wrapping up, Leah. Um, a lot of people will call me, and they'll be like, well, what you're doing is too disciplined. It's too, what do they say? Like, they say something to the effect of, like, I don't want to deny myself with the food I don't want to deny myself with life, and it just sounds like you're so rigid. I have to tell you that when discipline is the horse I ride, freedom is all I get. I mean, I don't know how to explain it to you, and that's where God comes in. Um, And in the beginning, I did have to kind of suck it up for for a horrible phrase, and I apologize. I did kind of have to be like, all right, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to surrender. And any time a thought came in my head, I ran the other way. And there's been a shift. I was talking with a buddy this morning, like, if I'm on a deserted island, please, God, help me not eat, right? Like, help me continue to seek you. Um, and, and and I am undisciplined, but this idea about discipline being wrong and this idea being, it does say we let God discipline us, right? Um, but I have God working through others, and I have a really big God, um, and I'm very imperfect. Um, but I can tell you when I think about these things, walking through life as a recovered woman, 
there's something so peaceful to know that I have a place to go called Overeaters Anonymous. Like whatever is going on, I have a place to go in the morning. There's a routine. There's a um, there's this rhythm that happens of you know weighing and measuring the food and making my phone calls and doing my step work and helping others. And um, and life just continues to move forward. Um, and I am so grateful for all of you. I don't know if you really can find the gratitude that that happens when um, God has taken me from the wretch that I was and turned me into a little bit less of a wretch today um, who's growing and changing and, and messing me up all and I'm messing up all the time. But I wash, rinse, repeat. And I keep the food clean, you know, and I, and, I, and I know what that means. And I know when I'm messing up because I'm playing God and I'm on 60 to 63. So I hope that something I've said is helpful for someone today. Um, I know it's been helpful for me to just take a seat with all of you. And uh, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Katie G., for sharing your personal experience trudging these 12 steps each and every day and for sharing the personal insights that you've gained as a result of your spiritual work. Your spiritual work and perseverance are truly an inspiration to me and I'm sure to many. KDG's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. The share ID for this presentation is 14,967. That's 14967. We will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question by pressing star 1 to unmute. Of course, I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Michelle M. Michelle M. Lou B. Lou B. Jason K. Hey, Jason. Nadia B. Nadia B. Phoebe B. Phoebe B. Mary Lee R. And Mary. Becca R. Mary Lee R. Becca R. Jane S. And Jane S. That's a great group. Again, Michelle M., Lou B., Jason K., Nadia B., Phoebe B., Mary Lee R., Becca R., and Jane S. Everybody, please mute. And let's begin with Michelle M. Good morning. Can I be heard? Indeed. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for that beautiful presentation, Katie. I ask a question as a newly recovered person and grateful in this program. How do you sponsor? What are your suggestions for a, a new sponsor? Thank you very much. Awesome question, and welcome to the sponsor group. Um, I actually was taught uh, step four, right, on page 69 and 70, we have inventory about our sexual conduct. It's actually about relationships. Um, page 69, it talks about selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate. Next paragraph, it talks about, in this way, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. 
So um, over the years, I've been taught by the women who've walked before me, um, I do have a sponsor ideal. So who am I as a sponsor and who am I as a sponsee? Um, if I can, if I've had the experience, um, I put a sponsor or sponsee through those questions so I can look at kind of where I fall short. Um, but I'm really clear. Um, I take my time when, I when I'm looking to sponsor a woman. I don't just say, yeah, um, of course, let's do it. Um, we take some time to get to know each other, like the chapter working with others. And I, all, and, um, and I use the chapter working with others. I use Vision for You um, podcast to kind of teach me and some other recovered podcasts. And I also have a sponsor ideal and a sponsee ideal. Nothing I ask women to do in their program of recovery is not something I don't do with them. In other words, if I commit my food daily, then that's what they do. I don't get an exempt. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and if I have committed meetings, which I do, that's what they do. Um, so it's a very, you know, shoulder to shoulder kind of thing. Um, so my sponsee ideal, my sponsor ideal, the chapter working with others. And then I do call um, the women that I, um, I'm blessed to be with and I ask them I just ask questions like I have there's a woman I know and I I'm so blessed by her I often will go to her about questions where people are fighting me on the food and I can't fight people's disease I don't fight my own and so I ask how do I approach this how do I approach that um, I ask a lot of questions I have my ideals um, and I also like I just want to remind us all that there's no vision for you sponsor and there's no vision for you program. We're just a healthy OA meeting where we all study the book and we all have different understandings of the book. And, and we spend three hours a day extrapolating sometimes on one paragraph. So there are many different ways of sponsoring. And I think it's important to have an ideal of what's worked for me and then to pass that along. And if it doesn't work for you, that's awesome. Let's find that out. And then I'm gonna, I'm, I can hook you up with one of my buddies that might, you might do better with. The other thing I'm going to say to you is don't take it personally. Whatever happens, it's up to God. All we have to do is, having had a spiritual awakening, we tried to carry this message. Nobody's worried about your outcomes. Just try. Put yourself out there on the line and try. Um, but the, the having a sponsee and sponsor ideal are critical for me because then I'm clear on what it is I do and what it is I might expect someone working with me to do. I hope that helps. Thanks, Michelle M. Lou B. Your turn. Hi, Katie. This is Lou B., and thank you so much for your talk this morning. I really appreciate it. My question has to do with how you, or will you share with us, what your relationship with your sponsor looks like when you talk to her, what you call her about, that type of thing. Yeah, Lou, thanks for the question. So, again, I'm glad I said that piece I just said because whatever I say, like ask your sponsor, she or he is right. <laughs> um, I just know that. So for my sponsorship lineage, this is how I roll. Uh, I call her at the same time, uh, uh, seven days a week. Um, uh, we pray. I do commit my food. Um, I commit my exercise because that's a huge part of, of my abstinence. Um, I then read to her um, my step work because, so for right now, um, I'm working on bringing the traditions into my marriage. So every day I'll do reading and writing on bringing the traditions into my marriage, which is super hard and wonderful. And then I will review with her my step 11 inventory. Um, and then I will ask her, you know, um, 
this is what this is where I fell short yesterday. This is what I have going on for today, and kind of discuss with her what happened, what what um, what I heard from God, and and what I'm um, and and ask her for spiritual considerations on the feedback that I believe I'm receiving and where she might guide me. Um, sometimes it's a lot more literal, like the day that I said that I was going in for that medical procedure. What do I do? This hurts too much. What do I do? And sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's like, hey, I had a rock star day yesterday, and this is what was going on. And like, let's have a let's have a celebration for the power and mercy and love of God, right? Um, so it just changes. But that's the basic structure for me. Um, and then I do. Because I um, go through steps one through nine annually, um, I'll use either the sponsor that I talk to daily or I will um, you know, seek out another guide to kind of go through that. And I also have like, um, as a friend taught me and refers to, and I apologize for stealing your phrase, I have a, I have a board of directors of women who I kind of consider like my sponsors. Um, there's a woman I had to call recently because I was having some some stuff come up with my exercise, and within two minutes of the conversation, she was able to be like, "This is what you do, and this is your this is what's going to happen." And I was like, "Thanks. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad for that spiritual consideration because it works for me." So I it does take a village. I hope that answers your question. Thank yes, you, thank Ruby. You. Jason K, you're up. Thanks, Katie. I really appreciated hearing from you, and I, I love the saying, uh, God has taken a wreck like me and made me into a little bit of a less, less of a wreck. I was laughing. Um, but I heard you say, um, you know, what I'm hearing you say is um, your disciplines spring from a step, a deep step one, and you said you spend many months uh, in a step one. So what does it look like to spend many months in a step one for you, and what does it look like when you have a newbie, I, I would assume, um, sponsoring somebody just getting abstinent who's not recovered, like what does the step one experience look like that for that person? Thank you. Hey, Jason. Thanks so much. What a great question. So I don't always spend a lot of time in step one. Um, that was something that I had done with a community of people who studied a big book, um, and it was beautiful. But it was also beautiful because I had had a few years. <laughs> Um, for me, I, I needed, uh, I need, I did need to move efficiently. But having said that, you know, I have heard it said that um, the longer I stay in step one, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's a horrible thing, um, and I, I, I don't know the answer. Um, but in terms of sponsees, I don't have any rules and regulations. Um, what you all teach me is to kind of meet sponsees where they are. So there, um, God does not ever bring me newcomers. He brings me like hardcore, willful um, women like me. <laughs> um, and so for some women, that means that we need to get them to step four um, pretty intensely. Um, but I can't assign that on them. Um, so what I mean by that is I'll give them assignments, and if they want to spend more time on it, that's fine, and I, and I can get to them to step four faster if that's what's going to work for them or if they need to spend some extra time in step one, and I don't mean eating, I mean really looking at the powerlessness and the unmanageability, both of those, um, then that's, that's where I meet them. And I know um, the common suggestion in the book and in our fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, um, a lot on this line, is that we need to get through the steps fast. And I will say um, I... Um, I really believe in, in meeting people where they are, um, and my experience and my observation is that sometimes um, 
I moved so fast through the steps, I didn't learn them, right? Like step 10 and 11 are pretty vital. And if I can't do an effective four through nine, I can't do 10 and 11. So I got to learn. And I, I do believe in the frantic and um, um, essential nature that, that we, we got to get to God and we got to move promptly. I'm not saying I'm dragging my, my feet, but I also think we need to learn. So I really try and be open and use the chapter working with others and to, to meet that sponsee where she is. Um, I hope that helps. I know it's super vague, but I think it's, I think it's dependent on, on that woman and what she's able to offer, right? Like what she, or what she needs. Thanks, Jason, for your question. Nadia B. Good morning, everyone. Nadia B. Gratefully recovered in Connecticut. Thank you, Leah, for your service, and Katie. Wow. Thank you so much for your honesty and uh, open-heartedness. Um, I just wanted to say recently some questions came up uh, for me over the past probably few weeks. People have been asking me, um, you know, about our priorities, our primary purpose, our roles as mothers, um, wives, and um, also how does that, um, uh, and, and our primary purpose. Would you mind expanding on that, and or how do you triage that, or how do you uh, prioritize? Thank you, Nadia. What a rock star question, because I, I know, I mean, I know. Um, the best thing I know to say is this. If I don't put my program life and my relationship with God first, I will not be a wife and I will not be a mom. So uh, right now I'm blessed with the gift of people who sleep in somewhat. Um, and my little one uh, currently, she, if, if, she sleep, if she wakes up, I can walk in the stroller um, for my weighed measured walk. <laughs> Um, so, um, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't put, um, being a wife ahead of my relationship with God. Like my, I'm blessed with a husband who, when he first met me, he was like, well, you do a lot of phone calls <laughs> and it's true. Um, but he he gives me the freedom he knows like even on our honeymoon it was a it was a blessing for him because i could go and work uh you know be available to others continue my program of recovery and he he didn't have to deal with me for a couple hours which is great you know in a healthy marriage you need that space um same with my daughter like i can't um i can't show up for my daughters if i don't have a program of recovery i can't be a mom if i don't um, take quiet time or do inventory or do food preparation. And I'm not saying it's easy, but, um, you know, there are things like I do food preparation for a whole week. Um, I don't, I don't eat a lot of crazy foods. Like I, my food is very neutral, very simple because I, I want to, to do the work that I need to do with God so that I can show up for my family. Um, I can show up for my daughters. I can show up for, um, the other roles, but I, I do, I have been taught, I know it's a slogan, um, so not everybody loves it, but program family job. Um, it may sound callous, but like y'all know, like um, a couple years ago when I had my firstborn, I was back on listening to Vision for You pretty rapidly and, and not because I think I'm a great person, but because I know that by allowing God in, I can be available, right? If I, if I keep, and 
the best way to say it is that somebody taught me I don't balance my life that's God's job um, but I, I need to remember what I need to do and and I'll tell you what um, those of you who are going on tons of extra meetings and doing tons of extra service in that way thank you because I can't <laughs> I can't I haven't been able to add to my sponsees because of the pandemic I haven't been able to add to you know, and do lots of extra service because of the pandemic. That's not where God is calling me to be, but I haven't cut down on what the essentials of my program of recovery are because I'm a mom. That, that can't happen. I don't get that privilege. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks, Nadia. CBB, your turn. Thank you, Leah. Katie, thank you so much um, for your wonderful share, honest, authentic, specific examples. That was very wonderful. And I just have one question, which is um, at the beginning, you, you referred to this a couple of times, and it would be really helpful if you would kind of expand on it. You said you want to be a ticker tape for God. And I thought it was a great image, but um, could you just talk a little bit about what that means to you? Um, yeah. So thank you and thank you again. Oh, Phoebe, thanks. Um, when I think of who I was when I was in the food, right? And when I think of who I was abstinent only, and when I think of who I've been abstinent and lying, <laughs> um, and who I am now, uh, I don't recognize that woman. Uh, I had the privilege of talking to one of my um sisters this morning and uh we were reflecting on our friendship and um you know there was a time that I, I treated her in intolerable manner um and I can only understand the change that's come about because of God like I do the spiritual disciplines and that does that does create that does take my spiritual discipline right and God disciplining me but then there's like this space and then there's me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I can't explain. Um, I, when I first met my husband and he would travel, I would, um, I would, I remember smashing something in my kitchen because I couldn't get a hold of him. I, I don't do that today. Um, I have experienced changes. Like, and if you told me that I could walk through losing four um, babies. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have agreed um, God has given me this unmerited grace and I think sometimes I I get worried that we are afraid to talk about God and this is a 12-step program and this is about getting a relationship with God and it's not a God that I need to understand or define or comprehend or perform for it's about a god that is with me inside of me and at the same time outside of me guiding me um and and i want when i share i want i want to somehow pay credit to this god who has shown me nothing but grace with my over and over and over again failures by offering me women and men who have helped me make my life um beyond anything i i didn't i i didn't even know that this was the life i wanted to live as much as as much as i do today if that makes any sense so if i say anything that isn't a show-off parade for god 
I'm missing it. Like having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps and, and I crave God and, and that's, that's who I need to continue to give that power to because, or that, that credit to because I'm not that good. I didn't do the life. I didn't get this life um, because of anything I've been able to do or not do. It's all because of God. I hope that makes sense. Thank you, Phoebe B. Mary Lee R. Good morning, Lance. And uh, this is Mary Lee R. in Eugene, Oregon, recovered just for today. Wow. Um, my question is, what do you do to slow down? What's your meditation like? Thank you. I love that question. Um, a lot of different things, Mary Lee. Um, so the meditation that we're guided to in the book is a very kind of mindfulness, like um, thinking about the day ahead. And what I've been taught is that when that book was written, that's kind of what it meant, like um, a um, a soldier in, or a captain or something, somebody with a title in a war meditates um, and thinking about the day ahead, right? So, like, I follow those instructions um, in the book. And then um, for my own, I don't want to go into outside issues and we can talk about it, but for my own spiritual practices, I do things like mindfulness and I do guided meditations, um, things like that. Um, but I do, you know, just go to the book because um, those are those are my instructions and they're they're pretty clear about that um, I think that the most important thing is that I just turn my face to God and that I can um, and sit and get get quiet because I'm a human doing if I'm not careful um, and I and and that's when I mess up the most and I as one of our teachers says God is as close as the breath um, and you know with the lives that we're blessed to live a lot of times you know, that means that until six o'clock, I'm breathing a lot, I'm going into the bathroom, and I'm pausing, and I'm breathing, and I'm saying the prayers that I've been taught to say, or I'm talking to God in some, in some capacity, and then getting quiet for two or three minutes, um, you know, and then doing other things. So I'm quick to see where y'all are right, religious people are right, spiritual people are right, and I just keep, I keep showing up. But, but, but bottom line is I do follow the, the book, um, and then I add to it from there. Thank you, Mary Lee. Becca R. Your turn. Hey, it's Becca R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Kentucky, and thanks so much for your share. What a treat to hear you this morning. Um, my question is about the perfectionism, and I, I've heard you share a lot about it. How do you stay out of that um, perfectionism? I know when, when I... Uh, hear other people share on the line things that maybe I, that aren't my story or aren't my practices or aren't what I do, um, I can immediately think, oh, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it right. Um, so I was going to see if you could elaborate on that. Thanks. Becca, I think I did a 10-step with you on that a couple weeks ago asking you the same question, but um, I don't know. Perfectionism is a really hard thing. I, I really have a disease of controlling I think it's just continued um, looking at um, inventory. One of the things that through my inventory uh, taught me a couple weeks ago is that I can really believe that um, I'm not worthy of the life I've been given. And um, 
And I don't think that's how God wants me to speak or believe. Um, I think God wants me to, you know, acknowledge the gifts that he's given me. Um, So I think perfectionism for me is really just another way that I try and control and manage my life. I'm sorry of the hiccups. Um, And so what's important for me is to stay in inventory and prayer, right? So I can look at the old ideas. The whole point of my inventory in step 10 and then the written in step 11 is to look at my old ideas. And my old ideas, if I, if I am not a perfect wife today, he's going to leave me. If, I, um, if I'm not a perfect mom today, I might as well give up. If I'm not able to show up for every service commitment I'm asked to do, I'm going to get kicked out. Like all those old beliefs, which I, I get caught up in believing them because that's my mind. And so it's about continuing to examine those um, and to pray, God, help me think your thoughts after you. Help me see myself as your daughter. Help me know that, you know, you have given me these unmerited gifts um, and they're in my life. And what am I going to do? And it doesn't mean that I'm not, it doesn't mean that I'm less than other people. Um, and, you know, the, the 12 steps are really simple. Um, and and none of us are going to get a star or an A for doing them. Um, you know, the, the 12 steps are about an experience, right? They're not about a performance. Um, I, I talked to someone the other day, and she, had, she was calling me to do her third, 10th step on the same topic. And I've been there. I've been stuck there. Um, I can't do that today. I have to do a 10th step and then help others. That's what my book teaches me. So it's, it's really about like, um, you know, things aren't always going to be pretty. I'm not always going to do a 10th step and be like, wow, I feel great. Now life is perfect. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, and I just continue to show up and help, help others. Cause I think the opposite of my perfectionism and controlling is helping others. And the bigger my heart is for the sponsees I'm working with or the women that are calling me because they're coming back again for the fourth or fifth time, you know, um, that, that's where I start to soften. Um, I, I heard one of my favorite recovered guys say, what did he say? He said something about like the further away I am from God's kids, the further away I am from God. And I think that's very true. Um, and that perfectionism, I mean, I, I, I told that story about the conference because I, I want you to, I wanted you to know, like I wanted my ego to be deflated enough to let you know, like I'm, I'm messy too. But with this inventory, uh, it, um, inventory just breaks me down. God just breaks me down so I can have a new experience and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I know a lot of people say I'm a human being, but it's really important for me to remember I'm a human being and I'm an addict. And I need this program of recovery. It's not Get Human Anonymous, right? Like this is Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm a human being, yes. But I'm a special kind of human being, and I make mistakes that um, my husband doesn't have the bandwidth to think about because he's not one of us. And that's okay. It doesn't make him better or worse. It's just different. I hope that helps, Becca. Thank you, Becca R. Jane S., your turn. Yes, good morning, and thank you so much for your service, Katie, and um, all that's on the line this morning. I'm fairly new to uh, a vision for you, so I was thrilled to find this 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 morning. Um, Throughout your share, over and over, I heard you say, um, write, 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 like I guess that meant is what you're saying, right? I wasn't quite sure about that. But I'm working hard on humility, step um, seven and step one, surrender. So how do you work that in your program with 
the rightness, needing to be right or wanting to be acknowledged. Thank you. Um, wait, don't don't mute yourself because I don't think I totally understand. So right might just be a, um, a vernacular, um, an expression that I'm using when I'm nervous um, to speak. Uh, I think I don't. Um, I think I think that uh, I wasn't trying to say like I am right. I think it might be you know like as teenagers we might say like a lot. I think I was using it as um, an, a point of emphasis. Um, so your question for me is about step. I'm not sure. Can you uh, articulate that for me again? Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I'll just be honest. For me, I'm trying to work hard about not being right. <laughs> like for example, the first time I said that, my sponsor said, "Well, say to you know that person, well, you might be right." I came back with, "Well, I highly doubt it." Well. Obviously, that wasn't being, you know, humble and um, the right thing for me at that time. So, yeah, when I heard you throughout your share many, many times, right, 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 that's kind of what I was thinking. And, you know, obviously you have a lot of recovery, so I just wondered how the two came together. Well, maybe they don't. I mean, maybe you're pointing out a defective character that I didn't even know what was going on. So uh, I, I don't have an answer for you on that, um, except thanks for thanks for pointing that out, and I probably need to look to God for that because I um, I can tell you that it's an expression that I was using, um, not consciously. So you brought it to my attention. In terms of the other thing that you're saying, um, you are right in that um, if you talk to me and you know me, one of my favorite things to say is that the only thing I know for sure. Um, is uh, that I don't know, right? And I need to set aside everything I think I know. And my prejudice, anything I thought up until this moment, are my old ideas, and I need to be open for a new experience because my, my ideas are what get me into trouble. Um, so I absolutely, I don't want to be the I know guy, and if I have given you the impression during my talk that I am trying to push you into being the I, me being the I know guy and coerce you in some uncomfortable manner. That was not my intention. Um, that just seems to be a vernacular that was or a, a, a pattern of my speech that was coming up. And I appreciate you letting me know that. Well, thank you. And I appreciate your explanation very much. Thank you, Jane. Looks like we have time for one more question. If there's someone that has a question they'd like to pose, Melissa C. Gina L. This is Jen A. And Melissa, thanks. Go ahead, Melissa, please. Okay. Oh, thank you. Hi. First of all, thank you so much, Katie. I just love you, love you. Um, and I, I just my question is really short. I'm just curious about um do you think that having a transformation uh, you know this personality change has turned you into someone who loves the disciplines <laughs> thanks hmm. yeah yeah i do because when i'm snot nose messy crying and i don't know what to do and i can't get out of bed i get up i get on my knees and i know what to do Right, like I'm somebody who can be, you know, just for listening for me, God bless you, for almost two hours, I don't even know, um, for a while, um, I, I, I can be very passionate. Um, and 
what discipline does is it leads me to the freedom of having this amazing relationship with God and this amazing relationship with all of you. And um, yeah, I mean, it just makes my life easier. I absolutely love discipline. And, um, you know, I have a friend, I was talking with her a couple of weeks ago and she said, we have to like, um, the further we are away from the food, the closer we need to remember step one and, and to be disciplined and to not let it build. And it's very easy, especially if you're somebody who on our meeting um, has been here for a while or, you know, might get more phone calls than they have to make phone calls. Like I have to continue to remember, like, I'm not here to perform. I'm here because I'm not well and I'm here because I need to continue to grow and change. And and discipline just gives me some a way. It's just a backbone of what I do and who I be. And I am so grateful for it. A, a thousand percent, Melissa. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Melissa C. And I'm trusting that Christine L. and Jen A. will look forward to having a conversation uh, one-on-one with you, Katie G., Thank you to everybody who posed questions this morning. It is time to close, and we're going to do so from page 164 from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.